0: to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter-owned and operated, and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and, and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other, and he seems to fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap for. An, Y'all go over to NorseFireEquipment.com, coupon code COWBOY5, that'll get you 5% off on your online orders. All right, guys, on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC Channel. I'm your host Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is the podcast for firefighters where we talk about real life situations, everything from leadership, promotions, Stuff in inside your station, stuff in your personal lives, relationships, finances, you name it. We talk about it. Some things that are even a little controversial, but that's real life, so we're going to talk about it on this show. Guys, welcome back. We've had a uh, ton of new listeners I uh, just did, looking at the analytics on the show, and we're, we're just now passing about 11,000 listeners, so from a small-town guy from Deep East Texas, that's, that's pretty phenomenal, and that's thanks to y'all, the, the growth on Facebook, the people sharing our posts. Uh, I've even had some, some pretty name, big names in the fire service that have started sharing my posts, and that's it's really cool whenever you type up something, and then something, somebody that you've looked up to for 10-plus for years starts sharing your information, and, and you realize that you're like-minded with that individual and your mindset and everything is the same as somebody that you viewed as a mentor it's it's a pretty cool feeling so that's all thanks to y'all that's that's thanks to everybody that listens to this show and follows us on facebook and and shares all of our information so thank you all and I'm going to keep putting out this information that I can. I know that uh, several several folks have reached out to me and say, "Man, this is uh, this is stuff that the fire service needs. What you're saying is is real life. You say how it is. You you know you don't sugarcoat shit. You put it out there, and people need to hear this. Well, I mean, I completely agree. That's why I started this show. And you know, I've had a little controversy uh, with with people that I know uh, by doing this show, and, and people saying, "Well, man, you you don't need to." You really don't need to be, you know, talking like that. You're going to get a bad rep. You know, chiefs aren't going to like you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, bottom line is, is, is this shit needs to be talked about. We have a, a mass shortage of firefighters and paramedics across the nation, and we're coming up on on a large percentage of people that are those 20 plus 20-plus 20 year guys right now, 20 to 25-year guys, they're all reaching their retirement age. So over the next five years, the shortage that we're already experiencing – Of overall firefighters and and paramedics and EMTs, everything like that, it's gonna it's gonna be even worse whenever we have all these people with all the experience start retiring. So guys like me, that 10 to 20 year guy, we are we're in that sweet spot of our career. We have the responsibility of taking the lessons that we learned from those old heads, the you know, good lessons, bad lessons, however you wanna put it uh things that, that we either agreed with and thought were great for the fire service or things that we thought were selfish and cowardice and everything like that. It's it's a responsibility of individuals like me in, in our generation of firefighters to spread it to everyone and spread it to all these younger guys especially that are coming in, you know, the one to five year guy that that may have just not experienced all the the proper leadership and um true firehouse mentality and mindset and camaraderie and like you know the buzzword is brotherhood and everything like that that the fire service has been built around and has allowed us to endure for generations I mean for those of you that don't know we're one of the oldest paid professions in the United States and that is due to our ability to keep the community's trust our ability to Keep each other's trust and do our job no matter what, you know, no matter what the odds are. I mean, there's nothing about fighting fire that's easy. There's nothing about responding to hurricanes that's easy. There's nothing about making those 20 fucking med calls all damn night long. That's easy. But the community knows and they call nine one one, it's us that show up. It's firefighters that show up. They trust us. They rely on us in their worst times, their worst days. No matter what, they rely on us. So we have to get all this bullshit figured out in order to keep that mission focus on keep, keeping the community's trust, being the ones that show up and show out 150% when it comes time for the real work to be done, which is the emergencies that we respond to. All this other bullshit is exactly that. It's bullshit. It's station bullshit. It's terrible leaders. It's everything like that that have encompassed the fire service, and we've molded into something – that we're truly not. And myself and other guys that have been in 10 plus years, we're all recognizing it. I've noticed over the last, I'd say probably three to five years, the level of seminars and conferences and trainings and all that shit nationwide is completely exploding because people are hungry. People want, firefighters especially, you want to know more tactics. You want to get better at your specialties. You Truly, people want to learn good leadership. As human beings, we seek out to be surrounded by good leaders. You know, that's why, I mean, as a, as a human being, we're essentially, we're tribal. You know, we we are social beings. We were meant to live in tribes. We're meant to live in families and all that stuff. And, and bottom line is there's always a leader of that, whether it's somebody that can take a fucking test and become a leader or a boss, however you want to, or those of us... That are just natural at being able to step up when times of decision need to be made. Being able to step up when times of confrontation come about and the times of conflict. That's whenever you see your true leaders start stepping forward. Is Even when there's times that there may be conflict or there's confrontation or things aren't fucking easy. The guy that steps forward, the lady that steps forward and says, you know what, I'll bear that weight. I'll do what I need to do to make sure that those people beside me and behind me are taken care of, whether that's in your personal life, as a leader of your family, as a leader of your children and your spouse, or at the fire station, whenever the heat's coming on because you have a douchebag chief that wants to put a target on people that he views as a threat, which we've all seen that happen. But that's whenever the true leader step up and says, you know what? These people deserve better. These firefighters deserve better. They're up all night. They're making the runs. They're risking their life. They deserve better than your bullshit version of leadership where you want to put a target on people that you think are going to try to take your job. When truthfully, truthfully, and this is my generation and, and a little before me, it's this is our fault, and I own this because, no, I didn't go finish my degree in fire administration. I still have some classes left. No, I didn't go get all the damn certifications that the fire service has to offer that could allowed me to get in those more leadership-type positions, if you will, in those chief roles because I didn't have all the fucking check boxes in order to promote to get in that spot to be in the chief's good graces where he's like, oh, yeah, this guy has all these certifications, so we're going to just appoint him to be a chief. No, I didn't do that, and a lot of others like me did not because we liked making the runs. We liked being on the crew. We liked doing the job. And so a lot of Of my generation and before me, close friends of mine, they put off promoting for a long time. Well, that allowed for people that didn't have the experience but had all the certifications and the degrees and all that stuff. They were able to advance, and now they're in a lot of these chief roles. And truthfully, they don't have the experience or the credible leadership or the desire and integrity to want to be in that position for the right reasons. So it's become kind of a selfish game. I know... You know, I put out some questionnaires and stuff. Uh, you know, man, what would y'all like for me to talk about on the show? I've reached out to some people that I know personally that uh, asked them. You know, what some topics that y'all would like for me to cover? You know, just to I really like having the engagement. I do. I love having people that reach out to me and tell their tell their stories. Um, for instance, I got a, uh, a little success story from uh, from a pretty uh, pretty strong followers of the show from day one. To be honest, they've they've bought shirts. They've done. You know, super engagement Every single time I post something Every time I share something They're listening They're sharing it with the guys At their department Sharing it with the guys In their station And these guys are truly phenomenal And absolute fans of the show And I'm grateful for them Um, And they reached out to me this week Saying that, uh, you know They've had a massive success story In the Their department is a um, It's an ESD type uh, funded department and basically, there was some things going on, like what I've talked about on the show, where there's some corruption going on. The fire chief's not doing what he needs to be doing. He's in it for himself. Uh, fire chief is actually, he was the fire chief, and he's sitting on the, um, the tax board that's over the finances for the fire department, which in Texas, that's not cool. I don't know all their state laws. But anyways, um, essentially, long story short, the firefighters of that department reached out to the community. They got the community involved in hey we have a super high turnover we, we can't keep experienced and qualified people because of the treatment from this fire chief the things that are happening uh, you know every every aspect of that well the community shows out in droves because the position on on the board that that fire chief was sitting on was up for election community shows up they vote his ass off the damn board well. With that being in the process of at the meeting when they're swearing in the new member that's coming to take that fire chief's position on the board, the community stands up and says, we want the fire chief out of here and the assistant chief out of here. They have demonstrated that they do not have the ability to run this department to the absolute best of the ability for this community. They can't keep personnel, and it's all due to their choices, their attitude, and their treatment of the employees at this department. We want them out of here. So they're going through that whole process right now. Essentially, the community is stepping up and demanding accountability of that tax board to ensure that the fire department is providing adequate responses and adequate personnel of the experience and qualifications to protect that community. And it's all due to these guys reaching out, having a good relationship with the public, having a good trusting relationship with the public. And so whenever they needed them, the community showed up. It's what I've talked about time and time again on this show. People have got to start understanding that we, we are truly in a special profession when it comes to our abilities to make things happen because the community trusts us for what we do and what we're willing to do. You're never going to find a mama that has a choking baby that will hand their choking baby over to anybody but a firefighter. That's bottom line that's just how it goes they will trust a firefighter not knowing them they just see that uniform they see that badge they see that patch and they will gladly hand their choking baby over to a firefighter because they know that we're going to do everything we possibly can to take care of that child that is the relationship we have with the community we have to keep that so great job guys um you know, I, y'all keep giving me the play-by-play on what's going on with that department and all the changes that are coming. I gave them a, a couple little tips that, that I have personally experienced whenever the heat starts coming on. And they're preparing themselves basically to, uh, to combat those situations that could possibly arise from things that the fire chief may try to do and, and things like that. Because, you know, the reality is when you start turning the fire up on people and the accountability train starts coming down the tracks – People start getting desperate and they'll burn every damn body around them to try to keep their position of power and to try to keep whatever income stream or anything like that. That's just the reality to how as a society people are operating these days. So that's just a little success story I want to share with y'all that I heard about the other day and I was really proud to hear. So y'all uh, you know, if you have issues going on within your department of things, that in itself is proof that it's not just me saying this is what you need to do. This is a completely different state on the other side of the United States. For me, I don't know any of those people personally. I don't know uh, the laws there. I don't all those different things, the bylaws of the unions and all that stuff. I don't know all that. It's just a. It's a. It is the laws of nature and the laws of our profession that when you do right by the community, they will do right by you. And all of the other shit is just. It's just parts of it. But anyways, great job guys. Y'all keep up the good work on on doing what's right for the community and making sure that your brothers and sisters on the truck with you are taken care of and not being treated like shit. So that's awesome. So going on to the next topic. I recently posted where I had uh you know been, been training for getting ready for a pat test and, and everything again. First time I've taken a, a pat test to get you know, new hire pat test to get hired on a fire department in over ten years, so it's been been pretty interesting. I'm kind of I've had to do a lot of con- you know yearly consumption and monthly consumption drills over the last few years, and I have that the the working muscle, if you will, and the the training of my body to do that sort of stuff and to do the actual job. But as we all know, a pat test is is a very athletic type. Um, just explosion workout where you just go all out you can for seven minutes eight minutes whatever ends up being and get it done and so it's a little different Um, you know I I showed a little transparency in that I've always been one of those that was a guy that could work I can be on scene I've always been a bigger guy but I can be on scene and, and outwork most most people I'm not one of these dudes that goes and sits in rehab I don't believe in that shit I think that When you're on scene, it's your time to literally bust a gut to get everything you can done for that community member, whether it's their house on fire, whether it's, you know, if that's your time to show out, you don't need to be sitting over there in the damn lawn chair under the tent with a fan on you looking like a damn idiot with IVs hanging off of you, showing that you are not physically equipped to do the job. That's that I don't believe in that. I know a lot of departments preach. Uh, an insane safety culture when it comes to rehab. You know, If you need a drink, go get a drink. If you need to swap off your your air bottle, go swap off your air bottle, then get the fuck back in there. That's how I view things. That's how I ran the crews that I ran. Um, That was just my mentality. I'm not the captain of every single crew that's out there, so I can't run every single crew that's out there. But you just need to know that if I'm that community member and – I'm paying the taxes and I look over and there's more guys sitting on their ass drinking water with ivs hanging in them and they look like warmed over death because they're not physically equipped to do the job and there's still smoke coming out of my house there's still stuff going on in my house I'm gonna start to question so that's that's how I view things when it comes to being a um being a taxpayer that's your time to truly show out that's your time to show the community like hey This is why we have weights at the station. This is why you see us getting to work out on duty. This is why we are able to do these things so whenever it's your time for your emergency in your life, you see that we are able to go above and beyond because of all that physical training. You know, it's really hard to sell having, you know, a $20,000 gym at your station when everybody looks like shit and performs like shit. I mean, I love station gyms. I think it's great. I truly the the best in shape I ever was in my life is whenever myself and a couple others actually got to build, well it was our own personal weights, I brought to the station, some other guys brought to the station, but we worked for a department that allowed us to basically design and build our own gym of what we thought, you know, we needed and we wanted to use and there was no bullshit policies saying, well you can't lift weights on duty because it's a workman's all that fucking bullshit that we're dealing with at a lot of departments because the fire chiefs don't like working out. Or the fire chiefs don't like hearing the weights clang and the loud music and the guys grunting and spitting and everything else like that that goes on in a in a badass gym. We were able to build what we wanted to. And it was by far the best in shape that I had ever been in my life. And I highly encourage that anywhere. Um, because not only is it is it a good morale builder and, and getting your guys in good shape, but the absolute science behind having a, a healthy workout routine and nutritional program it's undeniable i'm going to get into more more on that at a later date because i do think it's highly important when it comes to our overall health as firefighters but as you all know there's a ton of of badass platforms for firefighter fitness already out there so i don't feel like i need to beat a dead horse but just in my own personal life something that i've kind of gone through so over the last two years uh, whenever I left municipal fire department, I was in the best shape I'd ever been in my entire life. Uh, stronger than I had ever been, lifting lifting heavier than I ever had. Endurance was there. I mean, just all that. Well, I, I transitioned into industrial, and for those of you that don't know, industrial firefighting is completely different than than municipal. You're not you're not making all the runs that you do. Um, you know, run up down, answer nine one one calls in your city or in your district. It, it's it's a different environment for that. It's a lot of HSE slash safety type environment, you're doing a whole honestly a whole lot more paperwork style work. Now, when an actual emergency occurs, the workload on the emergency is way more than municipal. For one, there's usually only one or two of you in the plant at a time. Maybe some of these bigger plants have a higher, you know, a higher number, a larger fire brigade. But where I worked, we basically had two firefighters that were on shift. You got a captain and a firefighter. And if there was a, a fire, you're talking about um, high pressure. You're talking about pipelines. You're talking about hazmat, a multitude of things that municipal firefighters don't ever have to deal with. But um, I could tell you, throughout my entire time of working there in that plant, and it was a very clean plant, a, a pretty well-run plant. Uh, it was not. It didn't have a whole shitload of, of problems. Basically, there there are industrial plants out there where this is. It's it just it's. Way busier. They have a ton of leaks they got to deal with, a ton of fire load, and everything. But where I particularly was, it was a newer plant. So we didn't have a lot of those problems. But in two years, we had like three fires. Now, whenever you do have fires there, it's, it's massive workload because you're not dealing with inch and three-quarter fire hose on a cross lay. The minimum you're putting on the ground is two and a half to three inch. You have 10-inch uh, supply lines or five-inch supply lines that are thousands of feet long, uh, the plant that I worked at we had our fire pumps would uh, be pumping 175 psi uh, through five inch and you're flowing multiple monitors We also had a rental pump that was set up on like a trailer that drafted out of the um, the river that was uh, close to our plant and that was all 10 inch hose that was coming to that of supply line I mean it just there's a whole lot larger aspect to the industrial but overall the bottom line is you're not having the day-to-day physical requirements like you do working municipal so bottom line is transitioning into that took a little toll on my health um the hours were different i was no longer working you know a 48-hour shift or a 24-hour shift it was 12 so that uh encompassed me commuting a whole lot more i had about a two and a half hour one-way commute so i was working my 12-hour shift plus driving five hours a day all those multitude of things plus we went through um you know, some personal changes in my family where we were trying to have a baby and I was having to take some different, uh, supplements and hormone type stuff to be able to make that happen. So gained a lot of weight and was overall, probably I went from being the healthiest and strongest and most fit I'd ever been in my life to probably one of the worst, honestly. Um, just, Massive fatigue And it was due to the weight gain I'm not denying that a bit And just When you run up down the highway like that A lot of you that work You know Super busy EMS services You know When all Two o'clock in the morning The only thing that's open Is fast food joints So you're eating like shit You're not getting any sleep I lived off maybe Three hours of sleep A day For the last two years So Basically every Step As far as you You need to have Whether it's You know Physical fitness Nutrition And sleep and stress, um, because working in a in a plant is a very stressful environment because you're dealing with just all kinds of chemicals and all I mean, it just it's it is overall it, it's a stressful environment in itself. Um, not to mention the personnel issues and all those kind of things. But basically it just it can destroy your health. So I'm having to reset that. And I made that post the other day on Facebook and, and showing a little transparency that it can happen to all of us. Our physical fitness, no matter how how great you are about it, no matter how um, driven you are, you can fall in a slump. You can get in a rut, and you know I consider myself a pretty mentally strong person, a pretty driven person. I know what I need to be doing, but whenever you have all the odds are stacked against you, it over a long period of time, anyone can fall off in that. So. You know, don't ever think that you're alone because you know your your physical fitness falls off or your um, just overall well being in any way is not at peak performance all the time. It can happen to absolutely any of us, but at some point you just have to to knuckle down, uh, hold yourself accountable, and start stepping up. So that's kind of where I am right now. I'm about three weeks deep into, well, almost about four weeks deep back in into my workout routine, and I'm here to tell y'all it it sucks having to start over, going from. Whenever I stopped working out, I was benching 365. To now, I'm barely getting four or five reps at 225. I mean, it just—it's a huge reality shock. Like, damn, why am I starting or why did I do this to myself? I lost all of that, um, and and all of you have been through that. It's. Um, it's just a hard realization. Then you go through having your body sore. You're trying to transition back into, into eating clean. So you're having to go through having the shits and stuff. Because whenever you you make a drastic change to your diet, it messes with your guts and everything like that. Or it does me at least. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I, and I appreciate all of y'all's... Uh, you know messages and comments that I got encouraging stuff. That's that's awesome, and that's what it takes. And something that I've noticed because now I'm back to working on an ambulance uh, run running for a 911 EMS service here close to home um, that I've worked for for years and years. And those are really good people. They um, you know they, they've always treated me good. anytime that I needed to pick up hours, that was always there. It's, it's a great organization with great leadership. Um, they just don't have fire trucks. Otherwise, I uh, I would be perfectly perfectly content with being there. But I love being on a truck, so that's what I you know got to do. And so I'm going through this process. But I'm noticing going in and working with those individuals. A lot of them used to work out a lot whenever I was I was there all the time. Well, now that I'm back and I'm working out, I'm, I'm seeing people that are starting to go and start to work out again. They're wanting to get back into it. So kind of where I got to thinking about that is it truly is a great example uh Epp talked about it in his episode when he started training for his fights at his station all it takes is one person if one person is showing that they're working out and they come back and they drink their protein shake and people are watching them and then they see you doing all these things it is a ripple effect that people are like oh man you know i need to do that too well how, hey can i go work out with you and it just it starts stair stepping and goes and goes and goes and you can really build and it, and it's great it's great for the crew it's great for an organization overall and then all it takes is just that one little step and i know it sucks i know it's terrible to have to try to start over getting to the gym or getting in the gym is literally the hardest part once you get there and that pre-workout kicks in you know you're solid uh or at least i am i once i'm there and i'm you know turn that radio on the pre-workout kicks in i'm in the zone and i'm loving every minute of it and i just want to go and go and go but it's the getting up getting your damn shoes on, getting out the door, going, all that. You're just like, ah. Uh, and you try to, every excuse in your brain you try to use to not have to go, that's normal. That's normal. But it's your job. And I love, you know, Fit to Fight Fire is a great example of of what guys need to be doing in, with their fire career. Yes, we absolutely have the accountability to hold ourselves to a, a strong and healthy physical condition to respond for those individuals. That way you don't end up like those people I was talking about where you're sitting in fucking rehab the whole damn incident because you're not, you're not performing. You can't perform. You don't have the endurance. You don't have the strength and all those things. So, you know, I, I don't know those guys personally. I followed them on Facebook for several years, as I'm sure most of you do, because they put out a lot of badass content. But overall their message from what I, I have seen and witnessed, it's absolutely the truth. Um, but to me, because I you know that's it is my niche. I've been in and out of the um, supplement and performance space uh, for several years now, but I'm not I'm not the end all be all when it comes to that. That's not my um, that's not my overall. End-all, be-all thing that I want to discuss is firefighter fitness. I'll leave that to the experts. I'll leave that to the guys that that's their passion and that's what they love talking about and being all about. My deal is what it does for your crew and what it does for the, the camaraderie within your crew. I believe that going and working out together turning the radio on clowning having you know having a good time pushing those guys using them as your spotters and getting over there and you know to me it takes me back to like high school football and everything like that where you advance and you progress because of the, the healthy competition that's going on, but those people sitting there and saying, man, get just get one more, just get one more, just get one more, and they push you, and that's phenomenal to me, and that's where my passion kicks in because I love that. I love having that, that camaraderie and that driven mindset, and it just spreads throughout the crew. It'll spread throughout the department. I laugh because at one point – we actually had some folks working out that had probably never, honestly, never been into physical fitness ever. Um, and they even come, they, they weren't in there lifting weights, but we had people in there on the elliptical bike and, you know, having to, having to learn how to use the elliptical and the salt bike and all that kind of stuff. And they're coming in there. You know, they're not getting down to their gym shorts and tennis shoes and really getting into it. They're coming in there and just taking off, having their T-shirt on and still had their duty pants on. But they're getting in and they're being part of that environment and, it just overall it's a it's a morale driver. So a lot of you ask me, you know, talk about talk about department morale. Well, the first thing I would suggest when it comes to wanting to build morale in your department, especially you chiefs out there that are what you know I like to call the decision makers, buy some fucking gym equipment. Encourage your guys to work out. If you have to, go in there yourself. Go in there yourself. Let your guys See that you're in the gym. If you're a chief and you're in the gym, that moves mountains. Because that shows like, hey, oh shit, y'all see chief? One of my, my absolute favorite chiefs I ever worked for, he was my assistant chief for uh, about seven years total. Um, Plan on having him on the show. Phenomenal individual. Every single time we were in there working out and he was at the station. He wasn't you know somewhere having to do a meeting or something like that. His ass was in the gym with us. And it was so, and it created such an attachment from the crews to him because it showed that he was, he's like, man, I'm one of y'all. I'm one of y'all. I got to respond. He's the chief of fire operations, he responds, he's out there. And my knowledge of knowing that if I go down in that fire, he's outside and he's going to do absolutely everything possible to come in and get me. That was a, um, a, a comfort knowing that I had a chief that was still kicking – hell, he's he's 70 years old and can do way more push-ups than me to this day. He can rep them out and just overall, if you are a chief and you want to build morale in your department, buy some gym equipment. Don't get caught up in this whole mentality that we have going on right now of gym equipment is dangerous, guys working out on duty is dangerous. There could be workman's comp claims. You know, guys can go in there and pull their back because they're picking up too heavy as shit. Blah 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 blah. All that fucking shit. I'm. I've heard that. I've worked at the three departments that I worked at. Two of them had that policy, and I'm here to tell you all it's absolute bullshit. It leads to mass obesity within your department. It leads to poor morale within your department, and overall, you're completely full of shit. I've talked to workman's comp companies. I can't speak for every single workman's comp company in every state in the United States, but I can tell you where I've lived, the workman's comp companies that cover those departments, they truly believed that fire departments, the guys worked out on duty, and whenever there's an incident that occurs or an injury that occurs, they're not coming down and wanting to know how many fucking weights that you had on the bar whenever you picked up. You were on duty. You were performing your task. You were performing what you needed to do to be physically fit. Bottom line, they don't give a shit. They're going to pay the shit, and they're going to just make you pay your premium. That's it. So the excuse of, well, I don't want it, that it's bullshit, and I'm calling it out. I'm calling that out for all these damn fire administrations that think that guys working out on duty is a workman's comp hindrance. That is absolute bullshit. Now, For you guys out there, because I know there's a bunch that want to abuse that. Fucking stop. I know I, I can name some right now. I'm not going to, but I can name several motherfuckers right now that got hurt on their days off and they came up to the station and they faked like they got hurt in the fucking station and they made the fucking claim. Against the department, like they got hurt. Well, you just fucked everybody at your department because now, because they're having to pay out twenty thousand dollars in a workman's comp claim for your stupid ass getting hurt playing fucking football on your days off, drunk. Now you done hurt everybody at your department because the the fire station or the the fire station gym is getting the door locked, and the chiefs are saying, well, we you know we can't afford these kind of premium costs. We can't afford this shit. So once again, it goes down to you being ethical and it goes down to you doing the right thing. If you get hurt on your days off, man, just own that shit. I do dangerous shit on my days off. I ride fucking horses, working cows, all that shit. If it if it happens, that's what you have sick time for. If it happens, fucking tough the shit out. If you get a little fucking bobo, don't think that you got to ride Workman's Comp because you got a fucking bobo. Take your ass to work, earn your fucking paycheck, and do what you got to do everybody's got to stop fucking the system. We can't be sitting over here bitching at fire chiefs because they're not taking care of us and letting us do the fun shit when we've had a multitude of people ahead of us that have fucked the system. So it put a bad taste in the chief's mouth because they had to come out of pocket for $20,000, 30000 $50,000 for surgeries and shit for stuff that everyone knows you got fucking hurt at home and you came and claimed it against the department. Stop that shit. It's fucking the taxpayers. It's fucking everybody that's on your cruise and everyone after you that comes into this department. Maybe there's a guy that needs the ability to work out at the station because home life isn't that great. Or it's somebody that's that's truly driven and wants to get themselves in really badass shape. And whenever they come to the station, they can't. They can't work out because the department took the fucking gym away. And... It's all because of you and it causes that person, well, whenever they're there and they come in on their 24, they don't get to work out. Then they get fucking mandatory at overtime and they don't get to work out. So now they're taking 48 hours off of their workout plan. And that puts them in a downward slope because it takes them out of the routine. A lot of firefighters were routine driven. You know, we come in in the mornings and we have the same routine every fucking day. You come in, you check in with your captain, you let them know that you're here so that payroll and shit's good. You do whatever you need to do first thing in the morning. You make make your pot of coffee, go out and start checking the truck off, check your air pack off, set your gear up. The same fucking routine that we do every single day when we come on duty part of that routine for when we're on duty should be being able to work out on duty and that gets it where you you're doing because it you know I personally believe I, I try to work out every single day no I don't go kill it in the gym every single day but to me personally what it does for my my mental strength is doing a workout every single day if I take one day off uh it 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 puts that doubt back in my mind. If I take two days off or like during COVID when I was having to work 96 on and 48 off, so I'm working four days. If I worked at a department that didn't allow me to work out for four days and I could only be able to work out on the two days off, you might as well not fucking do it. Right? How many of you feel that way? If you take that many days off, it is that much harder to get back at it. I would say probably 90% of y'all have that. Now, there's some of y'all that, you know, you have your... Your gift and what whatever the fuck, you don't have to do that. But for someone like me, I need to be able to work out every single day in some capacity. And when I can't do that because the department has banned the gym because of some fucking dude that wanted to fuck the system, that hurts me. And I've worked at a place where that was the case. Some dude got fucking hurt in our gym ten years before I ever even fucking went to work there. But the chief still had the door locked. The chief still didn't allow us to work out. That dude, there ain't no telling where he was. Don't really give a shit either, but but that's what we're saying. What I'm saying is the long-term effects that you put on a department or that you put on the people that come in the department after you of you fucking the system, this is what it does. And like I said on the last show... For you older guys that are getting ready to retire and all this stuff and you have that just burned out mentality and you're like, ah, you know, whatever, fuck this place and blah, 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 blah. All those terrible attitudes that we've all seen a million times out of people. But when you're that guy and you're living in the district of the department that you're not giving a shit about anymore, well now guess what? When it's your old ass that's fucking got diabetes and you done fell down behind the toilet in the back bedroom at the of the fucked up small ass house, you're sure going to wish that it was a strong guy coming on that ambulance to try to pick your fat ass up from behind that. Not another 400 pound fat guy that can't fucking work out on duty and can't take care of himself on duty all because you blew your knee out playing fucking football or some shit on your days off. And 10 years later, when you're the old geriatric that's laying there, those guys aren't getting to take care of themselves on duty because of the decisions that you made. Think about that. We have got to start thinking long-term health of the department, long-term future of the department. It's not about you. It's not about at no point in this career should it ever be about you. It's about your crew. Then it's about your shift. Then it's about your department as you move up and you become a chief. Then it's about your department. But the whole time, it's about others and it's about the community. At no point is that shit about you. Bottom line. So we have to get out of that mindset of thinking that we got to try to take care of what's mine. I got to get mine and all this bullshit. Because all you're doing is fucking the next generations and the next generations. We're already seeing it. We're already seeing the next generations are not y'all they don't have the level of hardcore coaching and shit that we did. I went I went the other night our oldest daughter had her athletic banquet for her school. We go in there. All right, I'm not I'm not trying to put every any Anybody in particular on blast? But what people need to understand is we have definitely. This was a first huge realization for me in a in a small town. Now I know in you know big city life and everything, it's different. This it's been going on for a while. People have been dealing with it, but small town Texas has still. There's there's been, I would say, more accountability and more hardcore coaching. Able to happen on the football teams and the baseball teams and stuff like that in smaller towns across the country than there is in the bigger cities because you don't have the political microscope. Okay, so we go to this athletic banquet the other day. All the girls, all, all the young ladies dressed completely appropriate, they looked you know professional, they're wearing uh, long, long church style dresses, wearing rompers. Uh, Very elegant looking, especially, you know, from a small town, everything like that. But anyways, they come in, they look professional, they look like they've had proper coaching. Guys, the boys, we're talking about varsity fucking football players. Guys that some of them just signed with some pretty big name colleges. Now, I don't know about y'all, but whenever I played ball, coaches had a, we had a dress code. You had a fucking dress code. Bottom line, you had a dress code. You had a hair code. You had all that stuff. This shit is insane. I'm seeing kids that are literally they're signed for some major universities to go play football and baseball to. And these kids are walking up on the stage accepting their, you know, their letters for their senior year in high school, which is it's a banquet. It's a pretty uh, a pretty important deal. For, for an athlete to be able to go up there and accept those, those trophies and those accolades from the athletic director. And man, these dudes are wearing fucking gym shorts with hoodies, skinny jeans that are all ripped up with fucking hoodies, long hair, all this shit. To go up there and take a damn picture and I'm like, where is the professionalism? So where I'm going at with that is this next generation of of especially cuz I mean I have nothing nothing bad to say about the young ladies they they were dressed appropriate their coaches had obviously or parents whoever had told them that it was absolutely it was a professional and you know semi formal so they came basically like they were dressed to go to church and I was very proud to see that but the boys they look like slobs they look like shit bottom line and that's the next generation of firefighters that we have coming in And one of my really close friends told me that I needed to do a show on on professionalism, hygiene, and all that subject of stuff. So I'm going to kind of transition that because we've talked about overall health and fitness a little bit and kind of where my personal journey is with that. Well, going into that is where we're going to talk about the professionalism and the need for hygiene and appropriate dressing and all those different things that encompass the fire service. We've heard all the time time and time again, you know, we're a paramilitary organization. I'm going to do a show later on about that. That's something that's that I've really wanted to talk about. I just haven't gotten to it yet. With that being said, we wear a fucking uniform. We wear a uniform with a badge on it. So we are automatically... The, the demand for being professional is implied. It is, it is mandatory. I don't give a shit about your individuality when it comes to that. You don't get to come to the fire station and wear the same uniform and look like shit and look like a damn ragamuffin that just rolled out from underneath living under the bridge. What I mean by that, a lot of departments have gotten a, lo- a little laxed when it comes to, you know, whenever I came in, you weren't allowed to have visible tattoos at all. Uh, I have my own personal opinion on that. I-, I agree that as a society, tattoos are more accepted, and I agree that visible tattoos are not necessarily—they're a- not a big deal to me personally, as long as it's not offensive shit. You know, cuss words and profanity and all that—just insane shit, whatever—that a lot of people like to get. As long as that's not just super visible and you know all over you and everything, I don't think that's an issue. I don't think at this time fire departments should have you know the the extrinsic t- tattoo policies that they used to. So that's one thing that we've kind of progressed in. But something I have noticed: a lot of departments. We have transitioned over the last, I'd say, five years in, in Texas. A large majority of departments have transitioned into a 48-hour shift. Used to, traditionally, everybody was on a 24-hour shift. Some departments even used to still work a 12-hour shift. So we're transitioning, trying to make our shifts a little more feasible for guys to be able to work, commute, uh, have that that balance of home life and everything like that, which I completely agree with. I think a forty eight ninety six shift. My personal opinion. I've been on shift committees that have studied the data on it. They have, you know, I've been on the committee where we petitioned the fire chief to be able to make that happen, and all those different things. I overall think that that is a very healthy and good shift for the well being and mental well being of firefighters, for the well being of their family life and everything like that. It's a, with our call, call volume and everything that's happening this day and age with with fire departments transitioning into fire and EMS, a 24-hour shift, you used to be able to go to work and you could get a pretty decent night's sleep at night unless you made a fire, but, but you went home and your 48 hours off were really yours. A lot of departments now, including the ones that I've worked at doing that, you're running the whole damn 24, so you go home and your whole first day, essentially all you're doing is sleeping. You wake up, then you have your first night off. And you're trying to spend all that time with your family, so you stay up late. You do everything you need to know. If you're a young man, that's your night that you're going out and partying, and, and you know doing what you need to do, whatever. Uh, and then the next day, you you're just basically running errands and then getting ready to go right back to work. There's not a real good transition, and there's not um, adequate time off, in my personal opinion. I think the 4896. Even I've had multiple shifts where I pulled in the station, I made relief, we ran the whole fucking 48. I didn't come back to the station until. We got ready to leave. Uh, I've had those kind of shifts countless times. It sucks ass. But even then, you go home, you sleep your whole first day, but you still have three more. You still have three more to spend the time with your family, to enjoy your days off and have that, that home uh, balance that really uh, we're all lacking. A lot of firefighters are, are lacking. You know, People wonder why firefighters have such a high divorce rate. Well, when you spend all your fucking time at the station and you're running and gunning and you're always in that, That's why we have a high divorce rate. You're never at home with the wife. You're never at home with the husband. You're never at home with the kids or whatever. Uh, That's common sense, but apparently fire chiefs out there aren't grasping that fucking concept. But anyway, I overall think that the 4896 is, is a good overall shift for firefighters' well-being. Now, with that being said, when it comes to professionalism, one of the things that's been talked about... Is how uh, sleep. You know, forty-eight hours—a long time go without sleep. That's a, that's a major concern. I'm going to address sleep on a, on another episode, but yes, that is a concern. However, I do think it can be mitigated, and I will tell y'all how at a later later episode. But this is the deal: hygiene. I have worked something that people need to understand about me. I have worked at departments where I've been the hatchet man before I have worked at departments where I have been the captain that people sent their firefighters to when they wanted to get rid of them. I have been that guy. So when people start saying, well, how do you know, how do you know this? How do you know the information, you know, that I share with people when it comes to, to being able to build their careers, be able to get better, all this, because I've been the dude to get rid of people. Bottom line. Uh, I was a hard ass at times, especially when I first promoted to captain. I had very high standards, and if you did not meet those standards, I'd shit can you. Uh, I have been that guy, and I have learned uh, through other good leadership examples that, that that's not always the good route. Um, and with that being said, a lot of the people that I you know end up getting rid of, it was completely justified, and some of it had to do with hygiene. I have a perfect example for that. If you come work a 48-hour shift and you think it's acceptable to go 48 hours without a fucking shower in the heat of Texas, I'm firing you. Bottom line. Uh, I've had that happen. I ended up being able to get the department to change a policy requiring people to shower with once every 24 hours. Guys, that's unacceptable. It shouldn't take a captain... To tell you to take a fucking shower. But we have people in this industry that are like that. You know, A lot of people may not live the same way I do. A lot of people may not have the the cleanliness of a house that I require. Uh, and I get that. You can do what you want to do in your house. But the bottom line is, that's not your house. The fire station is not your house. It's our house. And then even on top of that, it's the community's house. The taxpayers are paying for that shit. The taxpayers pay for that damn bleach that you use to clean the counters. The taxpayers pay for that shit paper you use to wipe your fucking ass. The taxpayers pay for that water that you flush down the toilet. The The water that goes out of that damn shower. The taxpayers pay for every single bit of that. So it's their house. Now, do I think that the firefighters should have private areas within a station? Yes, I do. I don't think the public should be busting in on you in the damn bedrooms. But overall... We have an accountability to the public to take care of their shit. And that damn station is their shit. So clean yourself. Clean the facilities. I say that because here's my example that I want to share with all of you when it comes to hygiene. Some of us all, you know, there's guys that take... They, people take a big ass dump, right? I'm just going to be brutally honest on that. You could take a fat shit in the in the toilet and you know damn good and well you're going to leave some damn skin marks. You know damn good and well that you're going to leave shit stains on the toilet. Well, here's the reality to it. You may just say, ah, you know, I'll clean it later during station cleanup. But this is what people need to understand because I've seen this happen. You leave that bathroom a mess, whether it's piss on the damn seat because you can't aim, or it skin marks in the damn toilet because you you know didn't wipe it up or take the toilet brush and wash wipe that shit off afterward. Here's the reality to it. You may think that the next firefighter coming in after you, oh, they won't give a damn, whatever. But what happens whenever you don't realize it and there's a guest in the building? There's a guest that comes in the station that may be of really high importance and they saw you come out of that bathroom. Or better yet, what if you were the firefighter that you walked in and there were skin marks in the toilet, but you just still didn't clean it because you said, oh, well, those aren't mine. And you turn around and walk back out after, you know, you got done do- using the, the restroom. But then that community member goes in after you. Well, guess what? You just own that. That community member didn't know that somebody else was in there and it was their skin marks in the toilet. They're going to blame you. And they just got a terrible, terrible impression of you. And if you have any kind of accountability or standards for yourself, then you need to understand the importance of that and the level that you as a professional have because now that community member is going to say, yeah, that firefighter right there, hell, they took a massive shit and they left skin marks and I went in the bathroom and it was nasty and it stunk because skin marks are still leftover shit. So you left leftover shit right there for the whole damn public to see. That's the reality to it. That's the true reality. Broke break it down however you want to break it down, but that's the reality, and you just owned it. And I say that because my old station, Chief's house at that, it was a chief's house, it was literally the big chief, the assistant chief, deputy chiefs, and a battalion chief, all their offices were downstairs, including two massive boardrooms. <coughs> and the living quarters for the for the on-duty crews were upstairs. Well, you know, we had our watch office and everything downstairs. Well, the the station I was at was in a pretty, I would say, a pretty involved area. Uh, crime rate was super high in that area, but we had a shitload of industrial. We were right off of the Houston Ship Channel, which is one of the largest ports in the United States. We had, right down the road is, you know, congressional buildings, all this shit. So basically, the fire chief was highly involved with a lot of political um arenas if you will a lot of things that they were trying to look out for they had to ensure you know the safety and security of the ports they had to ensure the safety and security of the large industrial from terrorist attacks and and everything in between so we constantly had had visitors coming in and out of the fire station to meet with the fire chief because he was big with the emergency management for for that area of the county uh, of Harris County in Houston Texas and so there was always visitors coming in and out well one day we were on duty and that somebody left something in the bathroom i to be honest i don't remember if it was if it was skin marks in the toilet or if it was in the even in the ladies restroom and there was some uh you know parts of a lady that were left left visible in the toilet whatever but anyways it was a hygiene issue that was left in the restroom downstairs and as a captain I get called downstairs to the battalion chief's office and I get my ass ripped because there was a damn Congress. I think it it was a Congresswoman was in the station visiting with the fire chief about some safety concerns that were going on that time in Houston with some, some activists going on, uh, some activism going on and some major protests and shit that was happening in that area. So they were having some meetings as far as the safety and security for that area. Well, the congresswoman comes out and says something to the fire chief about it. Fire chief goes and looks at it. He calls battalion chief in there. Battalion chief goes and looks at it. And then guess who gets called downstairs? Because it's my crew that's on duty. Now, whether that, you know, whether that mess might have even been left from the day before, the crew before, I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I didn't go in the women's restroom and, and clean it that morning. So I don't have a level of accountability. To be able to say exactly, pinpoint what happened and where that mess came from. However, guess what? I inherited the shit. Just like I'm saying. When you're on duty and you come out of that restroom or you're in charge of that restroom, you inherit the problem. So we got our ass chewed out. And we had to freaking apologize for the mess that was left. And my crew had to go in there and clean up all that. Something that might or might not have belonged to them. I, do, I honestly don't know. But... They had to go in and clean up and tend to the to the hygiene issue. And you know, bottom line is it just takes people being observant and understanding that it's your mess, just clean it up. It's your mess, clean it up. Because that makes sure that those after you are taken care of in the fire station. And remember, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about your crew. It's about your shift. It's about the community. And that's a pretty strong example. But whenever that congresswoman goes back or we put up because we want a bond pass for the fire stations, or we want something political, well, they're going to say, yeah, but I came to you all station, y'all didn't even take care of it because there was shit left in the toilet. Why am I going to go and petition to get y'all millions of dollars in a bond when y'all can't even take care of what you got now? That's a reality, and that's a very large reality of a very high level of accountability of someone that sits in the United States Congress. All because one individual didn't want to clean up their mess. That is the level of professionalism that is demanded upon us as firefighters. We are that accountable at every level. Every single level. Now when it comes to your, your personal hygiene, when it comes to what what I my expectations are of a crew member... I know that right now we've got some crazy hairstyles and shit like that going on. We got some some people that, are we we have as a society this mass need for acceptance, no matter what kind of crazy shit you are into. And I am not I am not going to get super political on this. I am not going to get um, you know off on a tangent as far as that goes. But the reality of our position in the fire service is that you don't have the ability to be able to go and do all your your crazy shit when you're on duty. If you want to have an outside life when you're off duty, that's your time. Now, I personally believe, because I've seen time and time again, of you know guys get busted for doing crazy shit off duty, whether it's criminal or, or whatever, drinking incidents, you name it. And the first fucking thing that the news media does is says, City of such and such firefighter arrested for whatever. That is a reality to the life that we've chosen. That is a that is a reality to the profession that you have chosen. Like I've said to every single one of you on multiple episodes now, no one held a gun to your head and told you to be a firefighter. You didn't get fucking drafted into this shit. It's not the military. You didn't sign your life away to come do this shit. You're not a prisoner. You chose to come be a firefighter. So you're choosing to come into this fold, To come into this profession. So you have to understand that there's rules that that apply to you when it comes to that. And one thing that's massive to me that I'm seeing is professionalism. You know, I I address the tattoos. I, you know, the haircut styles, look, the haircut styles right now are crazy. I have my own personal opinions on that shit, but my whole deal when it comes to the haircut styles, just make sure the, the shit is is cut and clean. Make sure it is cut and clean. I understand there's different ethnicities that you know hairstyles are different and everything like that. And and I'm accepting of that as long as it doesn't get in the way of your job performance. I have had firefighters that I've worked with, to be point blank and honest, they were African American, black women that were phenomenal at their fucking job. And we worked for a fire chief that all signs point to. He had a problem with how they kept their hairstyle they had braids which is something that that a, a, a lot of black individuals men and women have and i think that's perfectly acceptable it was clean it wasn't in you know it wasn't all over the place it didn't look nasty it nothing like that it was clean braids yes their hair is long but they're females so as long as it is an appropriate tuck back and they're able to put their mask on and it's not a hindrance to their job performance, that's not something that I have a problem with. I just don't. I understand that their hair is completely different than my hair. So that's something as a fire service we need to be accepting of and understand that people's bodies and hair grows and is different. You can't just make that a clear-cut deal, but you have to be professional with it. The hygiene has to be there. I'm seeing a lot of guys right now that have fucked up haircuts. Uh, right now, you know, the mullet thing is pretty popular in a lot of places. I get it; it's cool, it's funny, it's a tribute back to the damn '80s and '90s when the you know the mullet world was huge, and it's funny; it is comical to me. But you need to understand that it does take away from your professional look. It does. I had long hair not too long ago, uh, but when I realized that I was going to have to k- start coming back in- into the municipal fold as a firefighter, coming back to this profession where I am addressing the community on a daily basis. I went back to a damn high and tight top haircut. I get it. But you have to understand that the shit has got to be clean cut and it has to look professional. You need to look professional and you need to look clean. Firefighting as a whole is a blue collar job. We can try to dress it up with a million college des- college degrees and certifications and try to make ourselves look as important as possible when it comes to the actual paperwork side of the job. But bottom line is, is when the 911 calls come out, you're going to get hot, you're going to get sweaty, you're wearing gear that's heavy as shit and makes you sweat your ass off and you're it, you're going to get nasty. If you're doing the job the right way and you're making the runs, you're gonna get nasty. Well, that means that your nasty ass needs to take a shower. You have got to start taking care of your personal hygiene because the guy next to you laying in the bed don't want to smell your funk, and then the person coming after you don't want to lay in a bed that smells like shit. I've heard that from multiple people. I'm, I'm not gonna put I'm, I'm not gonna put names out there. But some of you that listen to this show are going to laugh because you already know what I'm talking about. If the fire department has to buy mattress covers to protect the mattresses from you, you need a fucking shower. Take a fucking shower. Because you're not representing yourself to the best caliber. You're damn sure not representing the department and this industry and this profession to the best of your power. And it's overall just because you want to be fucking lazy. That's all. You want to be fucking lazy, and you don't want to get your ass in the shower. You know, I myself, from the time I can even remember, nine, ten years old, I've my poor mom, when I was growing up, would tell everybody, I do. I go through more laundry than anybody because I'm taking three to four showers a day. Uh, same way now. If I go outside at the fire station, I do a workout, I go shower. If I we go do a training, when I come back, I go take a shower. We make a run and I get hot and sweaty. I go take a shower. Before I go to bed, I'm going to take another shower. When I wake up in the morning, I take a shower. Now, these don't have to be fucking princess showers that take 30, 45 minutes. I'm talking about a a 5 to 10 minute jump in, scrub your body down, put some fresh deodorant on and get back to work. There's nothing wrong with that. It keeps you smelling good. It keeps you your skin and everything healthy. It keeps you from getting any kind of bacteria and infections. Those of us running EMS, guys, these houses y'all are going into, some of them are nasty as fuck. Y'all know that shit. You know that they're nasty as fuck. So come back, strip those clothes off, put them in the wash machine, and wash your damn body and get that nasty shit off of you before you go fucking eat. You know, We just went through COVID where I saw, I'm going to give you all a disclaimer on this because any of you that follow me on social media already know, I was the biggest douchebag when it came to COVID in the fire department that there ever fucking was, ever was. Fortunately, I was working at a department at the time where I had a voice and the chief didn't try to impose stupid COVID policies within our station. Because my thought process on it was, is fuck your mask and all this other bullshit. We are shit shower shaving and eating together inside a fucking station, sitting on the same toilets, taking showers in the same showers, getting up, swapping beds with the same fucking people every damn day. If you're going to get COVID, you're going to get COVID. So walking around the station with a fucking mask on is not going to prevent that shit. That was my policy on it. And I didn't, I did not wear a mask inside the station. I thought that was the dumbest fucking shit I have ever heard of in my life. If you were somebody that believed in that, then good for you. I don't really give a damn. I'm going to breathe fresh air, bottom line. But we did have departments out there, and I had former coworkers that were reaching out to me from their departments where they had all these insane policies within their station. I'm like, what the fuck? You're I mean, you're within you're literally living with a motherfucker. Like, it's no different than when you're at home and your wife or your husband has COVID. You're sharing a damn bed with them. You're right there with them. You're you're either gonna get it or you're not. So all these insane policies that we had during COVID were were they made no sense to me. The common sense was not there. However, where I'm going with this is Most of the people that were screaming and screaming and screaming when it came to fucking masks and all this shit when it came to COVID, their personal examples of hygiene on a daily basis prior to COVID and even now are exact examples why they need to shut the fuck up. Because if you're going and taking a shit, and I see you come out of the bathroom and taking a shit, and you don't wash your hands, and you want to come over there and fucking eat with me, you are the prime example as to why I'm not wearing a fucking mask. That is, that is the level of some shit that we're dealing with with people of hygiene. Stop being fucking lazy. Stop being fucking nasty. Step up and do your job of being professional and clean and healthy. That is disgusting. It's it's disgusting to every single one of us that have to work with you. It's disgusting for the community members that are having difficulty breathing, and then you show up, and you smell like a fucking ammonia break because you stink so bad. Well, you might have cured them, but now they say, damn, that dude stunk. And they'll remember that. That's what y'all have to start understanding. The community members remember our fuck-ups. You can do 10 amazing things and save 15 babies, but the first guy that fucks up something, that wrecks a truck, that steals something, that kills somebody, that does something stupid, that's what hits the headlines and that's what's remembered. So do not let it be you being remembered for being the stinky fuck. Do not let it be you that's remembered for leaving the damn skid marks in the toilet. Step up and tend to your shit. Stop being lazy Do the job for the right reasons and be professional because it's not about you. It's about the crew. It's about the shift and how overall we all look, how we all smell, how we all perform. It all goes together and it all goes along with being a professional and wearing that uniform and representing the profession of being a firefighter. Guys, I want to thank you all for listening. That's my little, little tangent when it comes to hygiene. I have several more uh, episodes that I'm, I'm going to record when it comes to, um, you know, the different topics like sleep and a little bit more into, into firefighter fitness. And, you know, really, I, overall, I, I believe that I, I give you all the information that I can off of my experiences throughout my career or those, you know, directly in contact with me people that i've worked with through the years it's it's all real life experiences of things that i myself or those directly around me have all gone through so it's not bullshit it's nothing that these people could try to pass off like you know turn a blind eye to it because it's real things that have happened and like i said in the intro it's my generation of firefighter if you're that 10 to 20 year guy it's your responsibility to pass this information on, the information we got, good and bad, from those of us before us, that ensure that that gave us our career. See, that's what a lot of people are don't they don't tie together. Is our career is built upon those that came before us, but the trust the community has from us is built upon those that died before us. That's the real reality. I hear that come from the military, you know, especially you know the Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Range, all those those high high level. Military organizations, a lot of them will say the reputation that they live on comes from those that died before them. Well, we're no different. We're no different. We came off a huge high from 9-11 because FDNY sacrificed so many lives. And they showed what firefighters were capable of. They showed what firefighters were willing to do. And they truly put us on the map In in my lifetime. FDNY put us on the map nationwide for what firefighters and firefighting professionals are all about they really did so it's up to us to uphold that it's up to us to ensure that level of professionalism and that level of sacrifice is there and my generation of firefighters we have to teach that we got to teach the upcoming people that it's about your crew it's about you know the camaraderie that you gain with the crew it's about taking care of the community at all cost it's not about your certifications. It's not about your fucking pay. And no point should you ever get into this job for the damn money. Yes, you have to earn a paycheck. I get that. I'm no different than every single one of you. But you have to balance your life accordingly. And I've, I've been requested several times to do a little bit more, um, a little deeper of a show when it comes to finances and stuff. And I'm going to dive into that again because that's obviously important to a lot of you. But you're never going to make a million dollars a year being a firefighter. If you have that kind of lifestyle where you want to live lavishly or you want to have that level of lifestyle, then build a business outside of work. But stop coming to the station thinking that you have to advance and advance and promote and promote and promote to try to get those higher-paying jobs when you're not ready for them. Because if you are one of those or you are trying to promote yourself through unethical means, you're fucking over the next guy, which is something that is a huge problem for me. That is something that is destroying us as an industry. It's destroying departments left and right where, honestly, chiefs have promoted all the way up by fucking over the next guy. Now they're in the top spot and they're worried to death that a qualified person underneath them is going to try to fuck them. They call that karma. They call that a guilty conscience because they... Fucked over people to get where they're at, and they think that everybody else is going to try to do that to them. So it destroys a department from from the inside. It completely destroys the ability for guys to unite. It, it's it's overall, it's not good for our industry. It's not good for firefighters anywhere. So we have to get out of that all about me mentality and get into let's let's be all about the crew. Let's be all about the shift. And as you promote, let's be all about the department. The guys making the runs. I'm going to leave you all with a little story that I got this week. I did my uh, I did a chief's interview with a department. And I was truly, and, and I even told the chiefs, I sat with the assistant chief and the head fire chief of this department. They're a growing department, massively growing department. And... I'm sitting there and we're going over. You know, they asked me all about myself, and you know, I, I go ahead and put it out there of, of my career path because people look at my resume and they'll see that I worked for a couple, you know, a few different departments, worked in a couple different regions of Texas, uh, you know, everywhere from, from deep east Texas all the way down to Houston, all the way over to Beaumont. So, like the whole southeast area of Texas and up, uh, I've worked all around that area, whether it was in fire or EMS. And I definitely have. Um, experiences that most people don't, because most people work either in, you know, they'll work in a large municipal uh, metropolitan area like Houston or DFW, and that's where they spend the whole career. I'm pretty fortunate in that I was able to work very rural EMS where you have hour to hour and 15 minute transports where you're it. The patient's life is on you for a fucking hour. And then I've worked in places where I was literally seven minutes from downtown Houston, where the largest medical district in the United States of some of the best doctors in the fucking world are right there seven minutes away from me. So your ability to transition and your patient care and everything is completely different. On the fire side, I've worked, you know, rural, rural East Texas where you're dealing with large pine tree. Uh, wildfire, forest fire type situations with you know grass fires and pastures where you're using bulldozers and learning to uh, be able to do burnback methods to to fight fire with fire and all the, the type of wildland type firefighting to multi story mid rises and apartment complexes and uh, then moving over into the industrial setting where you're dealing with pipeline and pressure fires and you know blevy type situations. It just I mean my level of experience has been really cool. Because I've got to take part in a lot of that, not to mention all the natural disaster stuff, like basically every hurricane since Ike, um, Ike till now. I've got to be part of every single one of those that hit hit the Texas and Louisiana coast. And so it's been really cool. I was sitting across from that fire chief, and I'm I'm open about those things because when you look at somebody, you look at their resume, and you're like, well, damn, why have they worked in this many different places? So I go ahead and put it out there. You know, I I will say why I left a place. Um, Most of it was for career advancement, but some of them was due to just the environment. Um, Put me to a point, like I tell y'all, if you work for a department that does not allow you to do the things in your career that's your passion, you know, for me, working at a department where you're doing nothing, you know, you're, you're riding the pumper, you're riding the ladder truck, but you're making, you know, Fires and med calls, yes, that's cool. Some people love that, but I wanted to do more specialty stuff. I wanted to be able to do swift water and dive and all that. So I, I have left and moved around some departments. For those of you that don't know, I've moved departments, but it was it was for myself and my own choosing because I wanted I wanted to do more. I've always been one of those firefighters, and you could call me selfish for this, but I've always been one of those firefighters, man. When my buddies were making shit. I'm like, fuck, I wish I was there. Fuck, I wish I was there. I was never one of those that was like, oh, damn, I don't want to be a part of that, you know, whatever, or try to hide from the runs. You know, I see stuff, even even now, when there's hurricanes hitting or major, major fires happening in, in Houston, and I have friends there, and I see that I'm like, fuck, I wish I was making that shit. I've always, I wanted to make everything. I wanted to to, to do it all. Um and and I feel like that's okay. You need people and should want people within your department that want to do the job, not people that are just trying to get certifications and move up and hide from hide from calls and and avoid the actual um, avoid the actual job, if you will, by hiding out. You should want firefighters that want to fucking get it. So I explained all this to that chief, and. He's sitting there, and I got to tell you, I mean, I don't know him very well. This is my first conversation with him, so I hope I'm not speaking out of terms here. But he was very transparent with me, and I I can already tell just from from talking to him that he is a a, a very smart guy, incredibly intelligent, um, far, far more than myself, I'm sure, and uh, very analytical you know he's talking about a lot of stuff, but he's retired from a pretty large department where he had promoted up through the ranks. So he's done the job, which is is a huge point to me. And I even told both the chiefs when I was there. I'm like, look, you know, I'm hearing where y'all worked. I know the areas that you worked in, what your experience level is, and all all that stuff. So to me, they had credibility. I'll put that out there. They had credibility. And then what they're wanting to do with their mindset and the vision that they painted for the department that that's growing right now. It was truly refreshing, and I even told them I was like hearing chiefs with y'all's mindset from all the shit that I've endured is uh, is refreshing me. And I, I honestly, I'm gonna have to take it in before I can give y'all, you know, true feedback um, because it's not something I've heard from chief most most chiefs that I've dealt with. You come in and either they have no fucking clue what they want because they're They're trying to just get by because, honestly, they're not qualified for their position. So they're in more of a survival mode of a day-to-day, let's just keep the department running today, and then I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have dealt with that with administrations that are in way over their head. Or I've worked for chiefs that's like, no, by God, this is the fucking policies. I don't care about what you want to do. I don't care about what you think the department needs. These are the policies that we're going to abide by. That's the two versions of chiefs that I've personally worked for. And so to hear a chief that's able to paint this vision and a direction, it was truly refreshing, and I, I was just like, man. But something he said to me that really, I mean, it boosted my confidence, but to be honest, it caught me off guard. And, and I even told him, I was like, chief, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to you with that because the fact of the matter is, the people, some of the people that I have worked for. Now, don't get me wrong. I have worked for some phenomenal uh, leaders, phenomenal chiefs, but most of them were not in a position at that time to be able to help help me advance my career. Either because they had a fire chief over them that was hindering it, or the department as a whole did not have the abilities, things like that. So, don't think that I worked for nothing but shitbags, but because I, I have worked for some phenomenal individuals and they've helped me develop my leadership style. But the reality is, I'm sitting across from this chief and he's, he's looking, you know, he's seen my resume and he's talking to me and everything. He's like, you know, I envy you. And I was, what do you mean, chief? And he said, you are literally, you are in the prime of your career. He said, if I could swap places with you right now, I would. He said, your level of experience, He's bottom line, where you've worked, which the departments you worked, the districts you worked in, I I know that you have probably fought more fire than, than even I did throughout my entire career. And I was like, Okay. And he said, and the reality is, so you have all these experiences and you can't fake it because you were there like you were there during those time periods and, and like I've told y'all before, the places I worked you couldn't fucking hide. Um and he said, But you're young. He's like, you know, you're you're in your, your mid thirties. Mid to low thirties, you're young. You're still physically able, and then you also you have all this experience. He's like, I envy you. What you could do for a department is amazing. And I was like, just really just looking at him, trying to take it all in. And he was like, you know, to be at the generation of firefighter where you are right now, being able to have all that experience and being able to physically apply it all is something that people need to embrace and something that people should be really proud to to have. He's like he's like I just I wish I could swap places with you. And I was like, "Holy shit, and I got to thinking about that." I'm like, "Well, fuck, man, that's that's all the people I know. I can list off tons of friends right now that are in the same boat as me. We've we've gone through and done these in you know insane careers of all this different shit. And we're all really still very healthy, still young enough to get out there and put the work in and kick ass and fight fire all day long. So, guys, it's our time. I mean, that basically gave me the green light right there from a chief, from an old head chief that's been in this in this business longer than I've been alive. And he says, your generation is it. And I was just like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. So... That was, I mean, it was like green flag racing for me. That made me truly realize that, hey, there are chiefs out there that recognize us. That 10- to 20-year guy right now, we're fucking golden. For one, we're in in high demand because we're in short supply. Due to the 2008- to 2012 uh, recession and everything like that, that time period when departments were on major hiring freezes for years, there's not very many of us. So get your ass to a department that truly recognizes your value of being able to still perform the job and kick ass, but you have that experience that the one- to five-year people don't have. You have that experience that even the 20- the 20 to 25-year Folks, don't have because maybe a lot of them were in positions where they didn't get to do the door kicking down badass firefighting shit or like in my case, a lot of the older guys weren't able to do all the water rescues and all the crazy shit that we did for these hurricanes and floods that I've made. That it, it we're really in a really cool fucking spot. So for all of you that are out there that are that ten to twenty year guy, just know that I'm in the same boat, and we literally are getting the green light from some of these badass mindseted chiefs that we're it, and it's time to go. So you know if you're one of those and you're in a department that uh you know you need a voice or whatever, let me be your voice. Like I've said all the time, I have no problem speaking up. I have no problem facing conflict or confrontation. That I. I'm cool with it. I'll step forward. I'll step into that spot and say what needs to be said to be able to ensure that our profession moves in a good good direction and that we're solid. But what I need from all of you is to make sure that if you're in this profession, to remain professional. Take care of your hygiene. Take care of your health. Take care of the stations and all the shit. Step up. Step up and be professional. Even if you didn't come from a background where you were taught all those things. Because I know that's a lot. Like the, the example I gave with the kids from from my, my kid's school. They don't know. They don't have a coach that was hammered down on that because he's, he's trying to be the cool coach rather than being the fucking badass coach. You know, uh, I encourage all of you, a lot of you may like it, may not, whatever, but I encourage a lot of you, go look at some of the videos that um, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is putting out right now, coaching from his level of expectations of his college athletes. No, he may not do everything right, but overall what he demands of them, how he demands for them to dress, how he demands for them to be professional, and how he, you know, be good in school and just – beat good men and everything in, in in between he has a huge following nationwide of people that want him but his level of expectations of his athletes is through the fucking roof and it should be the same for us so if you are one of these younger guys that that have not ever been taught well i don't know what you mean by being you know professionally dressed and all that stuff because i'm wearing the clothes that they're selling at the store i'm wearing what all my friends wear I'm wearing you know, what I see on Facebook of, of these people wearing. But none of them are in the fire station. That's what you have to understand. Yes, that shit may be cool on your days off, but you're not in the fire station. Go and look at, at your true level of professionalism of the people that are before us of what they wore. Shirts tucked in. Boots shined. I got a close friend of mine. He shines his boots every morning when he gets gets to the station. Gets everything. His boots are fresh, shined, fresh shined every single shift. I'm talking about mirror military shine. That's professionalism. That's taking accountability and being responsible for yourself, your clothes. You know, go, just step up. Stop being lazy and take care of your own self. And that makes your crew look better because then when your shit shine, I promise y'all, it's just like the fitness example. When your boots are shine, the rest of your crew is going to be like, hey, man, let me borrow that polish. And they'll start shining there. And then as, overall as a crew, when y'all start stepping out of the trucks and everybody's boots are shined and everybody's pants are ironed, everybody's shirts tucked in with their buttons buttoned correctly and all that, you look good. You look professional and you automatically Give a better representation of the fire service, and in that community member's eyes, they're going to say, Okay, these guys, they're taking care of themselves, which means they care about this job, which means they care about me. That's the reality to what it means to be professional in this position and what it means to actually truly want to be a firefighter for the right reasons. So, guys, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple. That's where really I'm getting the most listens to when it comes to this show. And, you know, go on there, leave us a review. I saw a, a guy left a, a review the other day, and that really helps us. If y'all want this, I hear people say all the time and comment all the time, man, everybody in the fire service needs to listen to this. This needs to be heard. Well, go on those platforms, whether it's Facebook, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. Leave us a review, leave a comment, whatever. All that stuff, it helps me and it helps spread this show. It helps. Everything as far as the algorithms and all that damn technological shit that I don't really understand, it helps with all of that. Um, I'll be your voice. I will absolutely be your voice. Share this show. Send it to your crew members. Send it to your shit. Hell, send it to your chief. You want to piss your chief off? Send him some shit that I say, but I guarantee you he'll listen to it because I have been contacted by several chiefs that have flat as told me, keep up the good work what you're saying needs to be heard. I even had a chief that I personally thought did not like me. Absolutely did not like me. And he flat out said, "The information that I'm putting out, he is very proud to keep it up that is exactly what needs to be heard." So that's the reality. People are hungry. They want to hear this information. So let me be your voice. If you don't if you don't feel comfortable getting out there and getting into that that conflict or that confrontation environment of facebook and, and instagram and all the trolls that are on social media i'll be your voice it's fine so sh- just share share the information but you know follow us on facebook follow us on instagram join the third alarm cowboys group i encourage everybody jump on there share information put your story on there a lot of you post your uh you know different pictures from your department All that kind of stuff I encourage all that I love the involvement I try to follow every single bit of that I try to engage with every single bit of that And you know if I if I haven't left you a comment Or anything like that Then I apologize But you know it's it's growing so so fast That it's honestly It's kind of hard for me to keep up with at times Because I do have you know A life outside of social media So anyways Well y'all uh, guys everybody have a good week And continue to share the show Go on to thirdalarmcowboys.com and purchase the podcast launch shirts. I've told you all before, I uh, I have some more designs coming out. I know a bunch of you have been asking me about hats. I have some hats coming in, just basically waiting on those uh, to be finished up and you know me to get the call and say that they're ready. So those will be available. Go on and order the Third Alarm Fighter RJ Nep Condemned Saint Fight Shirt. That's our, um, our tag team fighter. If you haven't listened to his episodes, go back and, and listen to uh, From the Rig to the Ring with Cat MarJ RJ Nip. He is a captain for a full-time fire department in the Houston, Texas area, but he's also a professional boxer. And we have locked arms with him and... Are trying to really help him financially throughout his career because he's just like us, and you know he's a firefighter, so he's doesn't have a, a million dollars to be spending on nutrition and training and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to support him, the way that we're doing that is through the T-shirt sales. The proceeds from that, I'm kicking back to him to help him with all those uh, financial costs. He's been training hard right now. We um, we just spoke yesterday, and he's getting ready getting ready for next level fight. We're just trying to get a venue locked in throughout his, uh, or through his, uh, fight trainer and everything like that. So as soon as we get that, I will let you guys know and let you know what city it's going to be in. And if you want to come out and support, you know, you come out where, where some firefighter swag or whatever you want to call it come out and, uh, and help represent him because when he climbs in that ring, he's representing us. Everybody knows that he's a firefighter and he's, he is hundred percent putting it out there and putting, putting his body out there to, um, you know, represent firefighters and, and just overall be a badass. So that's it for this week's show, and we'll see you on the next one. Me try to lose my way Well I won't stumble Put you right back in your place Just like old Wayland said I'll